This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. We begin today's message from 1 Timothy 1, 15-17 with a visual story. And you hear the audio today of part of that visual story that people watched. It was called Unexpected Faith. It's a powerful moment in our service that Sunday. Listen as we introduce the message with this clip. Faith shows up at a funeral home. And some of you can relate to that. Faith shows up in a pediatric critical care unit at a hospital. Some of you can relate to that. Faith shows up in families with job losses. Faith shows up in abject poverty. Faith shows up in people with chronic illness and chronic pain. Faith shows up in places where we don't expect faith. God surprises us and such faith amazes us. May we never lose our sense of wonder and amazement. I can honestly say that at the second service today, we had one of the most powerful prayer moments I've ever seen at Crossing Christian Church. Kind of ironic it was today. A young couple who's been coming here for five or six weeks brought their baby forward. A baby I didn't know was not theirs, that they're in the process of adopting. A baby that has what's called shaken baby syndrome, brain damage, blind, and has all kinds of problems. And they bring her forward and say, can the church pray for our baby? And we had 50 or 60 parents just come up around that couple and pray. It was a holy moment. Why? Because it was unexpected. We weren't planning on it. And God used parents who weren't expecting to go forward to pray for somebody to do that. And God comes in unexpected moments of life, in a church life, in unexpected moments in your family's life, in an unexpected moment in your marriage. God can do things that only God can do. Let him do it. Let him do it. Because he's God. Because he's God. You will see how that plays into the message today in a powerful way. Daniel Amen, I think is how you pronounce his last name, not Amen, but Amen. Amen is a psychiatrist who some of you have seen on PBS. He's really big into a, a medical term called brain scans. Not just studying the brain as intellectually and uh, treating people by just talking to them in medication. He's big on scanning the brains of people, and he's done. he's been involved in 83,000 brain scans where they measure the activity in the brain and where the brain is working and where it's not working and so forth. And he's convinced that so many problems that doctors are just throwing medicine at, these people, many of them need to have a brain scan so they can find something physically wrong. He gave an example of his own nephew, nine years old, who was violent and Daniel Amen said, let's x-ray his skull. And they did. And he said they found a one-inch cyst on his brain. That once they removed it, he was fine. 
and he's changed his behavior. And his big catchphrase, Daniel Amen's phrase is this, when you change people's brains, you change their life. Interesting phrase. After 83,000 brain scans, 22 years of working with people as a psychiatrist, says when you change people's brains, you change their lives. I want to talk about something as dramatic or more so. In his big catchphrase, Daniel Amen's phrase is this, when you change people's brains, you change their life. Interesting phrase. After 83,000 brain scans, 22 years of working with people as a psychiatrist, says when you change people's brains, you change their lives. I want to talk about something as dramatic or more so. When you change people's souls, you change their lives. And when you take away people's guilt in their life and the guilt for the past, the stuff that's happened five months ago, five years ago, 50 years ago, doesn't matter. You discover that the reason Jesus came, the reason for the celebration was this Jesus that we celebrated Christmas is the one that came to take away our sin. And what we're doing on this Sunday before Christmas is looking at 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 17, a passage that talks about why he came. And you know what? He came to impact and influence your life and to change your life and mine. It goes like this. Paul is speaking, and he begins with an interesting phrase. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. means here's something everybody should know if they don't. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Did he mean that, or was that just fake humility? He meant it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And then what's called a doxology, a statement of praise, it goes like this, now to him, now to the king eternal immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Kim James is an author who says something that I think some people can relate to. She said, have you ever heard of someone who hired a housekeeper, but then felt like she had to clean up her house before the housekeeper came? So the housekeeper wouldn't see what a mess it was. And then Kim James says this, some people are like that with Jesus. They think they can't engage with him or the church until after they have fixed up their lives. They think they have to work hard enough to do good things before they can allow Jesus into their hearts. But I've got an announcement to make. That's not how it happens. You come to the Lord with all your baggage. You come to the Lord with your past, your present, and your future that you have no idea what's coming. And like Paul, you say, Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Why that's important to know that it wasn't false humility is that we've all been around people who 
have what I call a fake humility, a false humility. I was just a rotten guy. I was a terrible woman. And, and they tell you their past. And Scott Lindsay, who's a minister, says, have you ever noticed that sometimes testimonies actually create something that's attractive about their past? They'll say, well, I had a taste for the bubbly, and I had an eye for the women, and I did this, and I did that. And people are listening, doesn't sound too bad to me, you know, the way they talk about it. Paul doesn't do that. He said, I not only was a sinner, I was the worst of sinners. He meant it. And we'll continue with this standalone message from the book of First Timothy tomorrow on Crossover. That's crossover.org. He said, I not only was a sinner, I was the worst of sinners. He meant it. He absolutely meant it. Do you say, why would Paul say that? Wasn't he a good guy? Do you know that before he became a Christian, he was involved in the death of Christians? To what extent, I don't know. But he was involved in the death of Christians as martyrs. And that's a powerful statement. Scott Lindsay, who I just referenced earlier, said, I can remember when I was younger going on numerous camping trips with the Boy Scouts. I was kicked out of the Boy Scouts for refusing to camp, but that's another story. He said, wherever we would go, one of my favorite things was to simply sleep outside under the stars and just stare at them for hours until I fell asleep. And one thing I noticed in all that stargazing, that whenever we were far away from the city in a place that was remote, the stars would seem especially bright. The reason the light seemed so much brighter out in the country was because the black was so much darker. The black was so much darker. There was no artificial light from the city to compete with the stars. The sky was jet black, and against that very dark black drop, the light of the stars seemed especially brilliant. Don't ever be a person in your, and maybe some of you have done this, and I've heard men, women, I've heard teenagers say this. Here it is. God could not forgive me for what I've done. And you know, I shock people. I've actually shocked people by my response. I hear a man or a woman or a young person say, well, Randy, you don't know what I've done. He couldn't possibly forgive me. And here's what I say that I've seen people literally throw their heads back in a kind of a jarring movement. I said, then what in the world did he die on the cross for? If you've committed a sin that he can't forgive, then tell me what he died on the cross for, because Jesus came to cleanse us from all sin and all unrighteousness. And for you or me, get this, to say he couldn't possibly forgive me is arrogance. Some of you didn't hear that. It's arrogance to say Jesus Christ could forgive everybody else, but he couldn't possibly forgive me. Paul's description of his former life was a testimony that wants to glorify Jesus. It was just a simple description. In fact, other places, Paul said, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. You know, I've heard people talk about different things about their past, but I very rarely hear anybody say, I was a violent man. In fact, I'd be hard-pressed. Just a few people have told me that about their violence. 
But that's how Paul described himself. I was a violent man because I think it had to do with his involvement in the persecution, obviously, of Christians. But he doesn't focus on the gory details. He moves on to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the majesty of God. And that's where he goes with this. You are forgiven. You are forgiven by what Christ did. Verse 16 again, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on it. What has the Lord done in your life that demonstrates his patience with you? Think about that. Well, that is an interesting question. What's an example of the patience of God, the mercy of God in your life? We'll continue tomorrow on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. What has the Lord done in your life that demonstrates His patience with you? Think about that. You ever had a spouse that say, I'm losing my patience with you, pal? Or I'm losing my patience with you, sweetheart. Thank God he didn't lose his patience with you or me. Or the Apostle Paul. That he might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. I'm not going to focus on the details of verse 17, but I can't ignore it because it's such a powerful statement, the doxology of verse 17, the praise. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Say, why do you mention that? The response to what God does in your life, get this, isn't, hey, thanks, God. That's involved. But it's saying, God, praise you. You are God. You're eternal. You're forever. You're everything in my life. God doesn't want to be a part of your life like some person might be a part of your life. You have everybody has different people with different levels of friendship. And he doesn't want to be just one of your friends on Facebook. He doesn't want to be a friend you hang out with occasionally. He says, I'm God. And I, being God of the universe means I'm God of your life. I'm God of your life. If I were to summarize what Paul says, here it is. In fact, if those of you that take notes, you could write down these three things. Paul says, here's what I was. Here's what happened. And here's what I have become. Does that resonate with anybody with your life? What I was, what happened, and what I have become. Jesus came to rescue sinners, to change their lives. He doesn't have much to offer the self-righteous. Listen to that again. If you think of yourself as a righteous man or a righteous woman, got news for you. He doesn't have much to offer you. He really doesn't. But if you come to him in humility, you come to him in humility and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. He responds to that. Lord, I acknowledge my past. I acknowledge my sin. And you acknowledge something, get this, that you haven't acknowledged to anybody. You know, people think, well, my life is an open book. No, it's not. I have never met anybody whose life is an open book. Everybody has something perhaps that they are trying to conceal or trying to hide, and the Lord knows it all. He knows it all. 
Years ago, I remember telling people, and some of you heard this, uh, about a woman by the name of Yolanda Young from Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. She had a terrible, or maybe non-existent would be the best way to talk about her relationship with her dad. And I'm quoting her story just so you hear one sentence of what she says. I'll get to it in a second. Recently, she said, I emailed my father. I wrote, it was good to hear from you. I'm glad you're well. Take care. That's to her dad. Take care. I last heard from him when he emailed my webpage wishing me a happy birthday. He wrote it in February. My birthday was in October. Forgetting my birthday was the least of my dad's failures. I was five when my parents divorced. He moved across the country, and I rarely saw him or heard from him. Well, this story that we conclude tomorrow on Cross Hope by Yolanda Young is pretty strong, but I want you to hear it because it one sentence she says makes it worth listening to this story. Our website is crosshope.org. Forgetting my birthday was the least of my dad's failures. I was five when my parents divorced. He moved across the country, and I rarely saw him or heard from him. When I was 17, I watched him beat a woman in the street. His violence wasn't a revelation. I'd already witnessed him shoot my mother. Paints an ugly picture of what she grew up in, Yolanda Young. While I'm not fond of my father, here's why I read to you this story for this line. While I'm not fond of my father... I may be the only family member who does not hate him. I believe this is because I never loved him. I'm the only family member in my family who doesn't hate my dad, but you see, I never loved him. Why do I tell you that story? You and I serve a God who would never, never say that about you. He loves you, and he's always loved you. He's loved you, and He's always loved you. And the proof is the cross. The proof is John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to think about Yolanda's life because she had to say this, I believe in forgiveness I give it freely now, and in doing so, I free myself. I free myself. What a story of Yolanda's. And I want you to go home with three things today. What I was, what happened to me, and what I have become. And I guarantee you, if you do that, that's not a bad outline to share with somebody. That's not a bad outline to share something with someone about your relationship with the Lord your relationship with the God who made you. Why did Jesus come? Mike Reed said, there's a reason for the celebration of the virgin birth of a child named Jesus, because when we speak in tones or terms of our salvation, it's for you and me. This Jesus came to die. Mike Reed is dead on. There's a reason for the celebration. And Paul said it this way, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, 
Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. I'm going to leave you with this thought. It's not the only thought in these verses, but Paul talks about mercy and patience as attributes of the Father. Question, would those be words to describe you? Now, I'm being honest. Some of you have family members that say, you're the least person I would think of would be merciful. And you're the last person to express patience. And before you get judgmental about it, somebody could say that about you or me about your lack of patience and your lack of mercy. Isn't it interesting? Two attributes of God, the Father, through the Son, that Paul talks about. Mercy, patience. Decide today. On this Christmas, 2019, I'm going to be a person of patience, and I'm going to be a person of mercy. Why? Because it's nice? No, because Jesus was and is, and God the Father is. He came for a reason to save you and to save me from sin so that I can say what I was, what happened in my life, and what I've become through him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for what we heard today from 1 Timothy 1. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.